podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. it's been a while and i say that like all the time that it's been far too long but it's been far too long uh you're listening to the anfield rant and once again i'm your host armando angulo today i have a very special guest someone that's very near and dear to me a very close personal friend uh and uh someone that you guys will definitely recognize and and are very familiar with and i'm talking about none other than the first lady of the anfield index uh miss nina calzer nina how are you it's been far too long i've missed talking to you it's good to have you on here finally you know what? The feeling's absolutely mutual, but I can't help to think, Amanda, um, you have brought me on because I'm fasting, and when I'm hungry, I am angry, so I'm the perfect guest for this right now. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was it was taken into consideration. I know how you get when you're hungry. Uh, yeah, when but... I don't get my carbs. <laughs> it's a disaster. <laughs> oh, but no, in all seriousness, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk to you, to rant a little, to laugh a lot, and then just to enjoy the next, uh, you know, half hour to 45 minutes. And then I'm glad that uh, we can do it on this platform. And uh, you've been so gracious and kind to have me on your show uh, far, far too many times, probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good to have you on here. Uh, but let's jump right in, Nina. Uh, let's talk about what's on everybody's lips. You know, we're on our way to Kiev. Can you believe it? Can you believe it that we're on our way? You know, we're going to make it to Anfield, Eastern Europe, you know? <laughs> it's it's madness. And you know what? Before I speak about me, um, I, I have a thought about, you know, our, our fans all around the world as well about this. I mean, five teams, five English teams from the Premier League made it to the Champions League. We had to enter it through the back door because Man United won the Europa League. And... We were the outside favourites. There was, I mean, I, I don't know what the situation was like over in America, but um, we were the least hyped up team. There was a lot of fuss to be made of Spurs because they topped the group against Real Madrid. A lot of fuss about Manchester City, even even you know to some degree Manchester United and Jose Mourinho, Chelsea. Uh, you know, not as much, but there's some hype there, but none about Liverpool. Absolutely zero. And for us to be here in the final, the most inexperienced team, as Gagso says, the most inexperienced team has now the most experience under this manager with those players. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, I was thinking about this actually um, a few a few days ago. And I was thinking about, you know, all our fans around the world who... I wonder how they feel because a lot of them became fans when Istanbul happened or a lot of them became fans on, you know, under Brendan Rodgers and, you know, at different points of their lives. And I wonder how, like, they feel like, oh, my God, Jurgen Klopp, a manager that we all wanted. And he he might be taking us back to glory. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know. Uh, you know, speaking for myself and what I, I encounter around here and my friends and, and people that I surround myself with, fellow Reds and stuff, uh, you know, for us, it, 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 you know, like you said, we are the most experienced side, inexperienced side. No one probably gave us as much credit early on in the season. I can understand that. Hoffenheim was a tough qualifier. Uh, Sevilla gave us problems in the Europa League final. You know, th- there wasn't any gimmies for us. Mo Salah mm. was not 
the Mo Salah that we have now. The Egyptian king was just in his infancy for us. We we didn't know what we really had. And I think, to be honest, we still don't know what we really have because I think he hasn't maximized his potential yet, in my opinion. And uh, if the longer the front three that we have uh, play together, the more dangerous they're going to be. Uh, so I think that that's a commodity we didn't know. I think there was a lot of question marks too, Nino, starting off the season. I think uh, Sadio Mane, it was still, you know, People weren't sure if he could repeat what his success last season because he has been kind of an inconsistent player throughout his career. Uh, you know, he's proven that to be incorrect and he's proven himself to be quite consistent and, and gives himself a lot of opportunities and creates a lot of chances for his teammates. Roberto Firmino, we need a real number nine. We need a real center forward. Uh, mm. he, he can't cut it. Bobby's the best nine in the league. I'll shout it from the rooftops. I, I, I truly believe that. Too right, you will. Amanda, it's also worth noting as well, at the beginning of the season, them three weren't really clicking. Remember, the final ball was always off and people were like, does it work? People were getting really frustrated. Look at them now. Right, give them right. Time. that's what I'm saying. I think I've always preached patience over the last couple seasons, especially when Jurgen taking over. I've always preached patience. It's not going to be an overnight thing. I always mm. thought that it was going to take some time and, and we're seeing the fruits of that work. The fruits of, you know, that labor is coming into fruition. He knows what he sees in his players on a day in and day out uh, basis. He, he, he knows what Bobby is capable of. He knew that that's the guy he needed at the number nine. He went and bought Dominic Solanke, an unknown commodity as well. A youngster who, yeah, had success at that under 21 level, but what does that mean? That doesn't always translate into the senior team. We've seen it far too often uh, at, at Liverpool. We see these youngsters come up and then their careers kind of fizzle. They don't make that next step. But no, I mean, with him, it's not that he's scoring a lot of goals, but it's the things, the intangibles that he's doing off the ball, the things that he's doing that mimic Absolutely. to a, a much lesser degree what Roberto Firmino's doing. But he fits the mold, and he's working his socks off every chance he gets, and he's working for the team. I don't need to know who we're signing. I The big names are nice, and it's it's, it's wonderful, and it's okay to get your hopes up, and it's okay to feel uh, like that's going to be the next level. But, I mean, look, Mane, we didn't want. Uh, a lot of people didn't want when they bought him. Um, Firmino, mm -hmm. you know, he's not a number nine. Uh, Mo Salah, for, you know... He, he misses too many chances. He 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 he's a Chelsea flop. He he's 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 not what we want. He's not Brandt or he's not Dembele or he's not one of these guys that have so much bigger name. But now Mosala is the king of Egypt. I mean, what do you want me to say? And Coutinho tried disturbing our season as well at the beginning. You know, first day a day before the season kicked off, hands in a transfer request. Take all that into consideration, people. This is a credit to the team. To not let that hijack their season. This is a credit to those players to taking the next step in their game, to developing into something, and we're no longer reliant on one player. We had for so long been reliant on Luis Suarez, and then Phil Coutinho jumped and stepped into that mold, and then it was okay. You know, in one of these games where we need somebody to break down a defense, where we need somebody to do something special because we're not clicking, it had to be Phil because nobody else was even attempting to do it. I think him leaving, him being sold. That lifted something from the team. That allowed them to be free, to be creative, to be themselves, to enjoy themselves, to not feel so handcuffed, mm -hmm. to take that type of responsibility. And fuck, did they ever do that? The front three is amazing. Ginny Wijnaldum, another question mark when we signed him. You know, people aren't even too sure what Ginny does, but I could tell you it's effective no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. He comes in off the bench and he gives life. He gives spark. He recycles the ball. He moves. It's what he does off the ball, the space. He is one of these clop players. We signed Big Verge. Yeah, it took a little longer than we wanted to, but that guy has proven himself to be the best defender in the league, if not the best defender yep. in Europe. 
He's a colossus. Mm-hmm. He makes fucking Dijon Lavrin look like fucking like like he's worth fifty mil. He's you know, the, mm-hmm. and credit to him. Dijon Lavrin works his ass off. He's never that's never been a complaint of mine. But his mistakes are no longer highlighted. Andy Robertson, a guy played for whole city. Nobody wanted him either. Oh, he's not good enough. He doesn't have a name. Oh, he's not Champions League standard. Best left back in the fucking league. Find me another. I won't take another that's not Andy Robertson. Works his ass off. He's got a fucking beautiful left foot. Crosses like no other. We see young Trent. Another question mark. What is this youngster going to give us with Klein out? Trent, his work speaks for itself. He's 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 headed he's headed to Russia on merit. Yep. Gomez, Gomez as well. To you know, um, earlier on in the season, before um, of, of course Gomez got injured, Klopp was rotating between the two, and you know there were games where Gomez really you know came into his own as well. Absolutely, and he'd be going to Russia as well. Nobody wanted Ox for forty million. That was a waste for a lot of people. Ox was a waste of forty million. Ox has proven himself to be an engine in that midfield, a force, a guy that bleeds for that shirt. It's taken him what a handful of months to be a fan favorite. Somebody that we love to see out there that when he, mm-hmm. you know, when he had his injury, everybody was devastated for him because yep. of what he means to the locker room, because of what he means to the fans, because what he means in general to this Klopp side. Klopp sees something that I, I don't have to see. I could just trust it. And at this point, he's earned that. Edwards, you know what? Michael Edwards, he gets his stick and he gets, you know, all this unnecessary criticism, I think, in my opinion. But whatever. He sits there, he does his job, and he's really good at it. And we're proving... Over time, and we're proving, and hell, we might be overachieving, but you know what? We might be ahead of schedule, but this isn't surprising. It shouldn't be surprising for anybody. Jurgen Klopp is a world-class manager, and we're building a world-class team. You could tell me Real Madrid is favorite. Of course they are. I don't want to be favorite. It's okay. Istanbul tells you you don't need to be favorite. Nope, the underdog tag suits us, and it certainly suits Jurgen Klopp, so we ain't mad. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, like, still touching on this, Nina, I want to talk about Emery Chan, somebody who's been incredible yeah. for our midfield. Uh, mm-hmm. When he plays, he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet when 100% healthy. He hasn't signed the deal. There's a lot of buzz that he's going to Juve, that he's going here, that he's going there. Uh, there's a lot of people that are pissed off that he's in Marbella and that he's, you know, even up for consideration with faking after, quote-unquote, faking a back faking injury. Uh, he's not going to Russia. That's crushing for a young man that uh, yes. has worked his socks off, that uh, has done nothing but to be proven uh, during qualifiers for Germany, proven during friendlies for Germany, proving at the Confederations Cup for Germany, proving for our side at Liverpool that he is an engine, that he is a tank, that he is a driving force, and that he is a leader of a football team. Uh, it's got to be crushing for him, you know. It has. I think the problem with that German team is, I mean, I don't know if it's a problem, but they've just got too much class and too much quality. Right, that's and a problem I he... want Mexico to have soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Emery Johnson, just no, we've, we've just got, you know, X, Y, and Z to cover that slot. It's, I mean, it, it speaks volumes, the fact that, you know, that that German midfield is so packed with quality. The fact that, you know, Emery Jean, when he got a call up to the first, um, to the international team, was kind of playing, I think he was playing like right back, if my memory serves me correctly, because there's just so much quality and so many players that are ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, it doesn't. It, that's not a slight on Emre Can. It just means that Germany, who are the World Cup winners, holders, and who are probably favourites again this time round, just have so much talent. I mean, I, I mean, speaking about the how he's been treated, um, I think he's been treated pretty poorly throughout his whole tenure at Liverpool. If I'm honest, by um, you know, a portion of fans, oh, he's he's fat. 
he's lazy, he's this, I don't understand what he does, I don't understand what kind of type of player he is. You know, just so many, oh, go, and then, you know, and then, you know, you get the odd idiot with a racist stereotype as well. And it's just really, really, like, horrible to see. All I see, I mean, from a personal perspective, and I I know you, you feel the same way as well, I absolutely love Emre Jan. I wish the club did more to keep him. I wish he did sign that contract, but he wants, I believe he wants a buyout clause, which is something that Liverpool have never done. I respect the club's stance on this because if they bend over here, how many times are they going to bend for other players and their needs? I think it's important for the club to kind of, you know, be firm with that. If if that is indeed the case, there's some people arguing that he wants a lot of money. He's greedy, but I don't think he's going to be on much more at Juve. Just a thought. It is just a thought. And I just, I feel like he has fulfilled his contract. He has played really well for us. And if he feels that he will do better playing somewhere else, I'm not happy with it, but I can respect it. it. Maybe it's a personal choice regarding him and his family. You don't know. You don't. We don't know the the intricate details of why he wants to move away. They're people. So personally, I don't know what goes on in his head. I don't know what goes on in his life. If he feels like there's a next step for him, by all means, everybody deserves the opportunity to evolve and develop themselves professionally and personally wherever they choose to do so. Secondly, I think for me, Emre has been the driving force of our team in that midfield, a leader, somebody worthy of wearing the captain's armband when you know, given that opportunity. Uh, We were needing that for a long time. No slide on Jordan Henderson. I think Jordan Henderson's a fine captain, uh, but ultimately he was injured a lot and Emre had to step into that midfield and and take uh, the team by the reins and really drive that team for about a season, season and a half, it seemed. So for me, I have, like you said, he he honored his contract. He played his socks off. If he's healthy and able to give me 30 minutes in Kiev, I'll take those 30 minutes because Emre Chan is that type of guy in the team, it seems. And if we can't have Ox, then Emre uh, would be a very bright spot to have on that bench for us. Um, and, and you never know. Nothing signed, nothing set in stone. Maybe we're waiting for the final. Maybe we'll get a surprise. Maybe we'll lift the cup and he'll decide that, you know, there's no place like home. But you don't know that. So I, The same I, happened with Gerard at Istanbul. You know, it was all up in the air in the final. It's true. It looked like he was going to go to Chelsea. That was our captain, Scouser, homegrown player. And he his head was turned by Chelsea. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, it's professional. It's the way it works. It's the, 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 you know, it's, it's the nature of the beast. That's how it works. People get their head turned. There's more opportunity. There's more growth. If you're a team that's stagnating, I understand that. But right now we're not stagnating. We're on the rise. So this move for Emory is a little confusing. It's a little, it's a little disappointing if it does happen, you know, to lose a player of that stature for absolutely nothing, especially when you developed him at very, uh, critical times in his career and got him to that next step and he got himself to that next step into the German national team. But uh, ultimately, if, if, like you said, if, if we, if it's because we have to do something that we don't do and that we're not willing to do because it'll set precedent that only affect us negatively by allowing him to leave with a release clause or to sign a deal with a release clause, then I'm all for it. I'm all for, you know, digging your heels in the stand. If you think that that's the best practice for your organization, the best practice for your, for, for, you know, your company. And I have no problem with that because it's, with Jurgen in charge and, and the way we're going in our trajectory, we're going to have loads of talent that is going to be willing to come and, and play and prove themselves. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that revolution. And we're, we're, we're uh, 
we're going to be really close next season to the title, in my opinion. And I, I know we're not talking about next season, and I don't want to get way too ahead of ourselves, but I think we're on the right trajectory to really challenge for a while because we're so young, because we're so talented, because we're so selfless, and Jurgen is the right man to lead that type of team. And these guys, they have all seem to have bought in. Like, you know, And I'm not even saying Emre hasn't bought in, but it seems that maybe there's more out there for him, and that's respectable. I have no problem with it. Yeah, it could just basically be, um, Amanda, that he maybe, maybe one of his goals in life is to be a league winner season in, season out. And with a team like Juventus and a league like Seriano, um, Napoli came very, very close this season. But maybe a team like Juventus, he's guaranteed that as well as getting first team football. Right, right, right. And, and you know, so I, I, I don't blame these types of players that go and want this. I mean, the, you, you want to be at the top of your profession. Lifting a trophy every season is the top of your profession, you know? So and people could talk about Serie A being, you know, an amateur league or, or, or whatever you want. It's Juventus is not an amateur team. They're consistently making runs into the Champions mm. League. They were at the final not too long ago. They're going to be a different yeah, Juventus. Yeah, last season. They're going to be yeah. a different Juventus without, without Gigi. And we're going to touch on that because I, I know how you feel about it. Uh, so I have to get your <laughs> thoughts on that. Uh, get the tissues. Um, I know, but but still, nevertheless, they're up there with the Bayerns. They're 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 a team that is to be they're forced to be reckoned with. A, a, a PSG, you know, a lot of people are very close minded that watch uh, the EPL. I think that's starting to fade a little, and people are starting to broaden their horizons. But I still think that people are a long way from watching European football uh, as a whole. Uh, you know, in the U.S., we're really lucky because we get option; we get to see all of it. You know, it's just a matter of if you want to wake your ass up early enough to watch it. But uh, it gives you that opportunity, and it's it's wonderful. You see a lot of talent, you see a lot of different styles, you get to develop your knowledge of the game, and I think. E- that's where the Premier League is going. It's always, I think, a little bit behind tactically than, let's say, a, a Bundesliga, but it's a lot more physical. So they all have their beauty and, and, and their things. I think for us, Jurgen's navigating that. He's 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 learning where he can break all that down and learning a new league. And, and we're just going to be on fire going forward. And and I can't blame Emery for wanting something different if it's not for him. Mm, absolutely. I've got to ask you though. I mean, this is again, this is a, a scattered pod. What's been your favourite game in the Champions League? The one where you thought we might be able to do this? You know, for me, honestly, um, it was probably Man City. Um, Mm -hmm. Man City at home. Um, it was so much fun to watch that go happen. I, what's not surprising, Jurgen against Pep is is a matchup that I I will take all the time. It's for yeah. whatever reason, it's his it's his Achilles heel. It's his kryptonite, and uh, that's fine. I'm lucky that we have his kryptonite because Pep is the top manager in the world, you know, and we just seem to have his number with Jurgen, and that's wonderful. Um, but yeah, we just came out. We weren't intimidated. We've seen that in the league in the last few years. We're not intimidated by Man City. Those are some of the funnest games to watch. And that's why I was really excited to watch it. And it didn't disappoint. Uh, I think for me on a personal level, because of my, you know, mm. my fondness of, of, of Roma and, uh, and, 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 and that team um, from, from a personal perspective, growing up and watching them a lot and Francesco Totti and stuff for me, uh, mm. it was really nice to get them in the semifinal. Uh, it was really nice to play and, and it was really nice to beat them. Uh, you know, it was a little sloppy at the end of the game in the first in the first leg. We should have probably closed that out a little bit better. But I can't. You can't complain 
when you're at, in the final against Real Madrid. You can't complain when you're the last two teams standing and when your opposition is what is considered the best team in the world. They've done this two, two years in a row. This is their third consecutive year trying to live big years. Uh, that's something we should aspire to be. So to, to be able to knock Goliath off his perch, to be able to be that team that's, that can go in there and actually challenge them because I think when we're firing on all cylinders, we're unstoppable. Uh, I'm so happy that Marcelo's playing that left back and that Mo Salah's just going to tear him up. I'm so happy that it's Real Madrid because I don't want excuses that we didn't beat anybody. I don't want excuses that we didn't go down there to Kiev and beat an absolute incredible team. Zinedine Zidane and those boys, those merengues are, are a force. And we can go down there and stop a dynasty. And I don't know what kind of challenge you want if not that. Nailed it perfectly. Uh, for me... Um... I think the Man City game was just like, oh my God, because I think, um, I'll be honest with you, Amanda, when we drew um, Man City, it just felt a bit like, oh, look at all the Spanish teams avoiding each other. You know, how convenient. I think there was three Spanish teams or something, three Spanish teams avoid each other and there's two English teams and they got to play each other. I thought it was a bit dodgy. I mean, I am that person. I thought it was a bit dodgy and suspect. And of course it was... It was, you know, Manchester City as well. And I was a little scared because of what they did to what, what they can do to us. And certainly that game at the Etihad. And I was a little worried. And then I think for me, the, what felt so powerful about that game, I was lucky enough to be at that game at Anfield. And I felt that the fans played a massive part in that game because, um, I don't know how it was like on the television, but in the stadium, like the, 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 the stadium was literally shaking. I was in the cop for that one. And we, every time they touched the ball, we just kept booing them and, and, and howling and, you know, just making it as hostile as possible. And they were, they were misplacing passes and everything. We, we really got to their heads. Yeah, no, let me tell you, on TV, you guys are all doing a wonderful job. It's uh I haven't heard the stadium that loud in a long time. Um it they're back. We're back, you know? There's mm. a love affair again. There's yes. a, a belief. There's a we don't just support the team, but we, we we love this side. We love these players. They're a special breed, they're a special bunch, they get along, they're always smiling, they're working for each other, they're working for us. I I it's baffling, you know, how far we've gone since the days of Brendan Rogers, Hodgson, those crickets, mm -hmm. uh Klopp telling you he's gonna turn you into a believer. And now it's it's incredible, you know. Through the TV, I could you see it's it. You could tell the stadium's rocking. It's shaking. You can make out clearly. You can sing along at home. It's such a wonderful feeling to see us be the juggernaut in that fortress and that absolute, you know, twelfth man again. And it's not just at home. You're, we're watching the road games and that traveling cop. You know, it's it's roaring. They're louder than the home team every time, every week. In Europe, it's a special, special thing, obviously. You know, Liverpool supporters are as special as Liverpool itself in Europe. And uh, they're not disappointing. To see the the, 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 the the lads embrace that, to see them genuinely have this romantic affair going on with the fan base, the, the genuine love that Klopp is bringing back is the, it's what's been missing. It's what's fueling this team. It's the vessel which this team is using to propel itself ahead of schedule. And we are making a difference, you know? You are making a difference. It's obvious. It's obvious. that It's clicked. 
it finally clicked and we're only going to go forward and this is only going to grow and they have a chance to become legend and lore these young men have a chance to be something that is on the lips of those people forever i mean wow right <laughs> absolutely now bring it to kiev boys absolutely girls. bring them back bring big ears back yeah. but nina let's talk about gg before we wrap things up because uh we have to uh there's even rumors that he could be wearing a red shirt nina i don't know you know if that happens an image of him and jürgen klopp just uh, an image on twitter I might become impregnated. That's all. <laughs> I, I swear down. If that happens, <laughs> Immaculate Conception right here, people. Oh, it would be a dream. I mean, I've always... And you know what? It, it might sound really crazy and a bit mental and whatever, but I've always said though, them two personalities would so get on because Jürgen Klopp likes a bit of a crazy fucker. Jürgen Klopp's a crazy fucker himself, but he likes somebody who's passionate who gives a damn. And I don't think you find a goalkeeper who fits, or, or anyone who fits that mould more than Gigi Buffon. He's so passionate. And I know he's had a lot of shit this year because of what happened against Real Madrid. He got sent off, you know, and um, of course he, he took Michael Oliver to town. And unfortunately, Michael Oliver got some death threats and to him and his, his uh, partner, who's also a referee, which is disgusting people let me tell you but people kind of forget like you said Amanda these these players are human now look at Gigi Buffon the world's greatest goalkeeper ever his team pulled off this phenomenal comeback against Real Madrid 3-0 down no one expected them to do that 3-0 all square it was going to go to extra time and a penalty gets given his last chance of winning a Champions League it's it's his last it's it's his one last big hurrah and he felt like someone took it away from them a referee, a, a penalty that some people would give as a penalty and some wouldn't. It wasn't as it wasn't as as a clear cut call as people suggest because you know it's for me it sparks debate. I've had people who say it wasn't a penalty. I've had people say it wasn't a penalty. What also you need to remember as well is the first time ever in fifty years or however long Italy have not made a World Cup final, and he was broken at that as well. His last season has been pretty tragic for Juventus. No, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, officiating has been atrocious and we'll get to that, you know, before we close this out. But like, it's a, it's a tough way to go. I mean, for a legend like Gigi, goal, but... I'd lose my cool too. I mean, fuck, I barely keep my cool, but I'd definitely lose my cool there. You know what I mean? I would. I, I, he did exactly what I do. And people think, oh, it's, it's thoughtless. He's a role model. He acted like a spoiled little shit. Well, guess what? I'm a spoiled little shit too, because I would act exactly in the same manner. And to, to answer your question, um, Amanda Angulo, the world, the greatest keeper of all time at Liverpool. Of course, I'm buying that jersey. <laughs> yeah, I expect nothing less. Uh, but, you know, but my only thing about that, like, I I, I doubt this happens, obviously. I, but even to just give the 1% chance, and let's entertain this. Uh, Can we add two zeros to that one, please? Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have to wait and see, I guess. But let's just say, Nina, like, what what, what do you do with Carrius? You think he's okay sitting there again? You mean, are we really looking to replace Karius? He seems pretty oh, solid. I don't see a problem with him uh, continuing as our number one. Me neither. You know how I would bring you, how I would bring um, Buffon in, and this is how I sort of fantasize about this: is some kind of coaching capacity. You know, goalkeeping coach, mentor, be a mentor to Karius. What better mentor can you get than a Gigi Buffon? 
you know, give Gigi Buffon maybe a cup game here and there, you know, see him out, parade him. I would not, I would not sacrifice Karius's progression because it has been really, really, really impressive. Isn't it amazing how, how good he's come with a run of games? Isn't it amazing how, how he's actually a pretty decent goalkeeper, people? The fact that he's played games back to back and his confidence is growing with those game time and those minutes. That I would, you know, if, if Jurgen Klopp could, could somehow convince um, Gigi Buffon and say, you know what, come to us, but be a coach, that would be the ideal scenario for me. No, I, I would agree with that. I think I think I wouldn't want to jeopardize Karius' uh, trajectory and then and, and the way he's growing and progressing. Like you said, it's just a matter of stringing games. Goalkeepers are, uh, you know, people that need confidence. They're like a striker, a striker, a number nine. If he's not confident, then you're not going to see him pull the trigger and just, you know, do things that are necessary with a tenacity and a ferocity to succeed. And a goalie's the same way. You know, if his confidence is down, coming for a ball isn't as natural. He questions himself. It's one of those things. Mental, you know, mentally, the mental side of the game is such a big, big part of a goalkeeper and and of all players, really, but as a goalkeeper, especially. Uh, So for me, yeah, I'm very happy seeing him progress. I'm very happy to have him continue. Continue. I think if we're going to upgrade there, it has to be world class. It has to be Oblak. It has to be Beck, uh, you know, Allison. It has to be these guys, it, it, you know, and I don't see that many of those guys out there. So, and Gigi mm. isn't a step up anymore. Although he, like you said, one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. Uh, He's not the best in exactly. the world right now. He's not the best. I'd, I'd, I'd say David Ahir is the best in the world right now. Yeah, well, yeah, that's hard to argue. That's hard to argue. I mean, the fact that Manchester United finished second in the league is because David De Gea. There's no question about it. The fact mm. that they've been in the Champions League, that they win finals, that they've done things at all uh, while David De Gea has been there is because of David De Gea. There's no other. It's no coach. It's no strategy. It's no other player. It's no nothing. And 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 United fans, they could they could deny that, but it's it's fact. There's you know there's stats to prove that. Uh, but let's let's cap this off, Nina, with a good old rant. We're going to talk about officiating, and I know you and me both hate them. So we're going to talk about the level of officiating going on here in the league, and not just in the league, but the Champions League in the world, uh, in football in general. I like when I don't know the official's name. I like when I don't know what he, I can't remember what he looks like. I like, that's my favorite part of officials. Uh, we don't see that anymore. Yeah, no, now they, they have to take all all the headlines, all, all the spotlight. And a few months ago, I did um, a Media Matters with Paul Tompkins, and he actually did, a, and, and Dan Roswell, and they did an in-depth study into officials and where they give penalties to and what teams get penalties and at what grounds. And we scored, like, really, really, really low. I mean, like, I don't think we've had a penalty given in the league in Anfield all season. if. Um, if I'm right. And I thought, how can that be? We are one of the most attacking teams. Marcella is one of the most fouled players. How can we not get a penalty? And you start watching and you start really dissecting things. And, you know, teams like Everton and Brighton, who have English players who are getting these penalties, and they, they award them to English players because apparently there must be still some stereotype amongst these referees that think foreign players dive. And it's a narrative that's been portrayed by pundits by the media and it's sort of like I don't know filtered down to these referees but it's absolutely disgraceful I cannot stand referees you know what referees are meant to be unbiased they're meant to like you said go mysterious anonymous just mediate and officiate the game and do your job and walk off and right now they are an absolute fucking liability and I say that in 
in in a broad sense of the term because I very rarely do I say now, oh he's a good referee or you know he did a good job oh oh he's appreciating that game good 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 he's fair it's just I don't give a crap anymore because I feel like they're all a massive liability there is a reason why certainly English referees are the ones in the Premier League are not going to the World Cup because they are absolutely appalling and the fact that they they don't they they feel that they don't they don't need the the aid of VAR is absolutely astounding considering they can't get the simplest decision correct it's it's just a massive head fuck I mean if I get angry Amanda I wonder what you think because I actually think the referees in the Champions League have been pretty fair to us a bit unfair with you know the Milner penalty and stuff like that yeah you know the penalties that were given against us a bit soft but again you know that's going to happen. Sometimes something isn't going to go your way and we, we, we got through. But as a whole, I think in Europe, the referees have been better to us. I can only speak for us. So Gigi Buffon disagrees. Long behold, it was a referee that did him no, over. No shocker. No shocker there. Yeah, no shocker, absolutely. But I want to get your thoughts on this, Amanda, because I feel like the English referees are absolutely dreadful. And it feels like the standard just keeps to be getting worse and worse and worse. And could it be that... Because we are in 2018 and we have the luxury of of having multiple replays and watching things from different angles and then we have social media so people will put up a challenge or a tackle on Twitter and you get to view it in 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 like in this crazy zoom focus where you can see everything. Could that be discrediting these referees? Have they always been this bad and we've been naive to it maybe in the 80s and stuff? I don't know. I think, I mean, look, yes, they probably always have been this bad. They've probably over-scrutinized. There's a lot of cameras, like you said, but this should be something that should be allowed, that should allow these guys to use this as a tool to develop and get better. I'm not sitting here, Nina, and telling you that being a referee and being a dude, 35, 40, running around chasing, if not older, running around and chasing these world-class athletes all day long, that I'm going to get every call, that I'm going to see things that is impossible for me to see, that I'm not going to be winded and fucking bowled over. Yeah, I get it. It's hard. I'm not here to discredit it, but with a hard job comes you know a lot of scrutiny and they deserve the scrutiny they get because they're absolute fucking ass all of them there's not one that i would be like oh it's okay cool he's refereeing today the fact that i know all of your names all of you officials i know all of your names is disappointing because i shouldn't know who the fuck any of you are i don't care who the fuck you are i don't want to care who the fuck you are i don't want to fucking pick your face out in a crowd i don't want to know you just fucking run around do the right thing make the right fucking call ask for help when you need it and don't be a fucking prick that's it that's all i ask for we don't fucking get it each week is a fucking laughable the fact that they're all fucking pro brexit is fucking obvious it's fucking aids Mm. And I'm fucking yeah. over it. And you know what, Nina? It's not even as bad as it is here. MLS has the worst fucking officials. They're a bunch of fucking clowns, and it's a fucking joke. They have video-assisted replay, and even that gets calls wrong 95% of the time. It's embarrassing. The standard of officiating throughout the world is embarrassing. And it shouldn't be that hard in the age of fucking cars driving themselves and fucking getting people to fucking space. We should be able to fucking know if it's a penalty or not. God damn it. Sorry. No, 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 you're actually spot on. I'm just actually thinking back to the last game of the season, Brighton. We had three penalty shots before Mo Salah scored. Yeah. Yeah. And obvious, blatant. The one Mm -hmm. on Mo was blatant. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt that he got fucking mulled over in that box, the official less than seven feet away, Mm -hmm. and he just said, get up. Mo's not a diver. To me, Mo's like Messi. 
in the same way that they don't dive. They have low center of gravity and they try to work their way through. If yep. Messi goes down, 95% chance Messi got clipped really bad. I feel the same way about Mo. He's not a diver. Are there divers in the league? Yeah. Are a lot of them South American or or or, or foreign players? Yeah. But there's a lot of fucking British guys that I was just gonna say most, you know, right. Dali Ali, Ashley Young, you know. <laughs> so it's not a matter of you know where you're from. It's the style and the type of player you are. And you know, there's nothing wrong with me trying to see a player trying to seek an advantage. That's natural. It's what players do. But it is the officials' job. It's part of their job description to be able to call bullshit when it's bullshit and to be able to call a foul when it's a foul on merit, not on fucking which, which passport you hold. Absolutely. And I think as well, Amanda, I don't think the pundits help as well. I remember when Lovren uh, conceded that penalty against that young Evertonian lad, I forget his name. And um, don't get me wrong, Lovren was stupid. That kid was going nowhere. Um, there was no need to put in, a, you know, to make any contact. The kid was looking for it. He went down. He won his team a penalty. You know, Sam Allardyce probably gave him a big, massive fucking pay rise, no doubt, for that. <laughs> and, and, you know, pundits were like, well, if there's contact, it's a penalty. Okay. And then I can't think there was another instance, and I think it was one of our players involved, there wasn't enough contact for it to be a penalty. And I'm not thinking, you don't help the matter. I think we need to simplify things. Maybe the rules have become too complex for these referees. Maybe they just don't know anymore. The FA Cup game that was on yesterday, a few penalty shots in that one, um, you know, and you just kind of stop and think to yourself, well, okay, maybe because he wasn't the last man and the rules have changed. That's why uh, Jones didn't get sent off. Well, way back when, if you were the last man and you made that challenge, you did get sent off. So why are we constantly changing the rules? Maybe just keep it simple. Oh, I agree. I think keep it simple, stupid is always the best, right? Like you got to keep it fail proof because uh, the more gray area you give these guys, the more they're going to make themselves a spectacle and the more they're going to make themselves part of the act as opposed to just somebody that's supposed to be there to moderate and, and mediate the the act, right? Uh, so yeah. I think Under which game, which, in which game did you completely lose your shit at the officials? Oh, it's pretty man. easy for me. Yeah, I'll let you go first. You seem to be ready. Spurs. It's always Spurs. What on earth? I mean, don't get me wrong. Upon replay, upon replay, upon Zoom, people think, yeah, maybe they got those decisions spot on. But it was the fact that, oh, did, you know, um, he, the, the referee went running to his linesman and he was like, oh, God, I forget his name. Was it Moss? It was Moss, I think. If yeah, memory it was, serves, it was, it was fucking Moss. Yeah. Oh, you know, was was love was you know was love and playing him on side? No, was was love? You know, whatever. It's right, something right, right, about right, right, right. And and the, and the linesman was like, no, it it wasn't it wasn't um it was an offside. It was or whatever. And he goes, fuck it, I'm just gonna give it anyway. Gonna give a goal. And that pissed me off because he wasn't sure about yeah. a situation, and he still decided to. Not listen to his linesman. He wasn't 100 percent sure, and he still gave the the scoring team the benefit of the doubt, and that really pissed me off. And Mo Salah scores um, what we thought was the winner in injury time, and you're celebrating like fucking hell. Yes, you know the comeback kings are back. You know this is Liverpool. We we won the game despite the referees being assholes with us. And then Harry Kane happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, do, do you know what I mean? I was like, it was Brexit the most needs Brexit, Nina. Fuck. 
Yeah, bre- absolutely Brexit. I mean, for neutral, they absolutely loved it. But as a Liverpool fan, I was absolutely seething. Oh, yeah. No, that was one of them. Uh, that's on my top three. But I think for me, where I was really livid was, like you said, Brighton, where there was so many shouts and there was so much on the game. You know, Agent Rafa did his thing, so it really didn't matter. But at the time... We needed a point, and we needed those goals, and we were getting robbed left and right. I was I was throwing things and cursing things and 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 wishing things upon people that I probably uh, regret to this day. But uh, yeah, I think just with what we needed to clinch top four and 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 what was on the line for me, and there was no there was no second chance after that. Uh, I was livid. I just couldn't I just couldn't contain myself. And then it was all okay in the world, you know. Yeah, it's all okay. And <laughs> speaking of Brighton, the, the game at the Amex, the stupid penalty against Jordan Henderson, that was never a penalty. Right, right. We have a lot Did, of those. Do you see what we, I mean? Yes, we have a lot of those. We have. We yeah. seem to be on the short end of the stick a lot. I don't want to have a bias and say that, like, as far as, you know, but uh, penalty pool is long gone. I miss those days. Yeah, I do as well. And, uh, yeah, this season has just been absolutely ridiculous. And if my numbers and stats are correct, the fact that there's been no penalty awarded at Anfield in the league, that in itself tells you everything. Man City, and, you know, Man City, the the penalties that they've won, I mean, they've got the likes of Leroy Sane and Aguero, but the one that wins them the most penalties is, um, is Raheem Sterling, English player again. Right. Right, and I can I can guarantee you that 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 Aguero and then and then uh, Sane are getting fouled an equal amount of times, and that Sterling is probably diving a little bit more. It's part of his game. It's part of his makeup. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with trying to get an advantage, but it's up to the officials to make sure that that type of shit is out of the game by enforcing rules and making sure that they get the right call. A dive's a dive and a foul's a foul. It's just not happening on a consistent basis. And, you know, they got leaps and bounds to cover, uh, to make up ground and to be uh, a credible, a credible, you know, part of the game again because they're losing a lot of credibility and it's becoming tough as a fan to uh, think that they're unbiased and to think that there isn't something more going on uh, you know but they don't need VAR Amanda oh they no it's the, it. VAR is the worst thing that's happened in the yeah, US yeah it's beneath them well, they, no, can, they got this they gotta get it right because the US has VAR and it's trash they don't get it right. Those calls, I'm watching it on TV. They're blatant, black and white. They're still getting them wrong after video replay. VAR is good. I, I don't have a problem with the concept of video assisted replay, and I think it should be a Me part neither. of the game everywhere eventually. But I think, I think, you know, as the guinea pigs here in the U.S., we got a long way to go before we can figure out what deserves to be called what and what, the, like you said, the rule books need to be a little more black and white. We need to get rid of a lot of the gray. I agree. I'm with you. I'm 100% behind VAR. I think it, it can't do any wrong. I Don't get me wrong. I, I know it gets used in Germany and I understand that in Germany that, you know, people get frustrated because it takes too long. It's time consuming. Right. But these things, and I'm sure the same in MLS as well, but these things will get better as the seasons progress because they'll have a more of an understanding of it. The technology will become a bit more simplified. The process will be quicker. You can't say, oh, I used it once. It took ages. I'm not going to do it again. Right. You're not going to get better at it. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And yes, and you know what? I'm one to think like you, Nina, that yeah, sure, take two, three minutes of my time, get the right call. The right call is more important than the two minutes. They're going to add it on. It's out of time. It doesn't go away. Sure, momentum ceases a little bit, but... You know, human error shouldn't be as big a part of the game as it is. I mean, on a player's part, sure, but not on the official's part. That's all. Absolutely. That's all. No, with you. Nina, I think we're going to wrap up here. Uh, you've been very gracious with your time. Is there anything you want to say before we get these boys on to Kiev? And is there anything you want to plug? Because I know you're a very, very, very busy woman. 
I am a busy person, but all I'm going to say is I want to hear more Anfield rant pods. They, in a weird way, they provide some kind of therapy for me <laughs> and a lot of listeners as well. So, uh, you know, listeners, please tweet Amanda and tell him when he has a spare three minutes, he gets onto that Skype and he rants about whatever he feels. I mean, there's just so much great content uh, you have so many great contributors but for me Anfield's rant is a staple for me it's a must listen to uh please keep doing it more for my part please keep it locked on ai pro there's so much awesome content there's a great promo on right now we've got some great shows so that's all i'm gonna plug awesome awesome and yeah you know you're too kind and i i plan on it you know 2017 18 was really busy for me personally uh but i look forward to next season and this off season and uh up the fucking reds you know all about it and uh i i just want to plug like you said ai pro uh gags you yourself uh trev everybody working on that side is really putting in a lot of work giving you guys a lot of great content a lot of really in-depth analysis you know under pressure alone is worth the money it's it's mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's you know pennies a day and and these people work really hard to give you guys the best access to 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 you know to liverpool possible so gags big credit to him big credit to you nina and absolutely like you said there's always gags got a promotion going on check it out it's not committal check it out give it a chance and i guarantee you won't regret it and you'll be a subscriber like all of us uh but yeah and i i just want to plug also um our, our good friend harinder wrote a very personal in-depth piece and gave himself uh it was a very vulnerable piece for him, and I know, you know, we know he's a very private man, and Paji's a very, a wonderful human being, one of my favorite people, uh, and he wrote a piece uh, on Anfield Index win. Uh, I would appreciate everybody check it out. It'll definitely put things into perspective, and, uh, you know, with that being said, you know, I, I, I just want to thank him for putting himself out there and yes. allowing us to... Uh, to share to, to 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 share in that uh it's not easy to to put yourself out there i know i know you know but it's it, it it's something that everybody needs to see sometimes especially from a person as as wonderful as as, as harry and and it and, and you know it, it was very touching and moving so that's all i really mm -hmm. want to plug uh I appreciate all you guys listening and bearing with me i appreciate everybody at anfield index for bearing with me and and you know, giving me the time to do the things that I needed to do and not rush me back and allow me to do this when I have a chance. And uh, I have a lot of fun. I look forward to doing this more and more. And uh, all I got to say is let's bring big ears back to, to, to Anfield. Let's have a party. Yes. Let's fucking celebrate and up the fucking ranks. Podcast Network.